I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 16. Romans 16, you know, Paul having a Christ at the forefront of his mind while writing and serving, while having to teach doctrine and having a mission to accomplish, having churches to correct, Paul was never so programmatic that he forgot people. And that's precisely because Paul had the heart of Christ. Even though Christ had mission to accomplish and and people to correct and places to go, Jesus never forgot people. He he, he wasn't about the program. He was about the people. Paul represents Christ well. This is the Christ who, as John 10 says, Christ calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. Christ calls them by name. The first 16 verses of Romans chapter 16 uh, of this greeting is much more than a list of 27 names plus some households. For each one, you'll see a relationship. And we'll consider the reason they may be mentioned. What does the relationship have to do with Paul? What does it have to do with the church? What does it have to do with Christ? Why are these people mentioned? What is unique about them? What example do we have to follow from them? And who are the types of people we ought to be praying for? Romans chapter 16. I'm going to read uh, just the first 17 verses. And then we'll just look at the first two together. Romans 16. Hear God's word. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epanetus, who was the first convert of the church in, uh, to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, my, uh, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelas, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those who work in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, uh, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. This was God's word. This morning we're going to just look at the very first name. This is the only person mentioned in this list of 27 in their households. And then further in the chapter, there will be another eight people mentioned. But this is the only person who was not yet 
at the church in Rome or at any of the churches in Rome. This was Phoebe. And we know that she wasn't there yet because Paul is uh, addressing her different than he does everyone else. He's commending her to the church at Rome. It says there, verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her with whatever she may need for you from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So Phoebe was not yet at the church at Rome. Everyone else mentioned was there, was in some church, local gathering in Rome. But Phoebe was not yet there. And Paul is commending her. He's, he's recommending that they welcome her with open arms. He's saying, uh, I sent her with my approval, my greeting. It's not known specifically, but it is assumed that Phoebe was the one honored to carry this very letter, this letter of Romans to the churches at Rome. And what's amazing about that is the task that Paul entrusted to a woman in the ancient world was so different. And that's what we see again and again and again, the gospel of, of Christ and even how Christ brought women up in society. They were not just the, the dirt of the earth to him like everyone else at the time, who, who would look at a woman as a second-class citizen to Jesus himself and to Paul here, the women were of great value to the church. A great value to the church when anywhere else in their culture, anywhere else in the, the Roman world at the time would have been looking down upon women and never utilizing them as a servant or to be even a, a co-worker in, in some sense to do the same job that you would give a man. Here, Paul says, I trust Phoebe. And what's amazing about Phoebe is, uh, as much as we don't know about her, we, we can assume some about her based on these two verses even. So she, according to verse 2, she had been a patron of many and even of Paul. So she had uh, taken Paul in, likely just taken care of him. She was probably a wealthy, probably hosted him in her very home, took care of him. And so it is assumed that she could very well be like Lydia, uh, at the church of Philippi, who was well off and was able to travel from port to port to port. And that's why Paul sent the letter with her. She was a, uh, an upper-class woman in, in that regard, but she had the uh, ability to travel. She had the means to travel, but it was much more than just that, oh, this is convenient. There's a rich lady who seems to be maybe going towards Rome. Let me just send a letter with her. That's not why Paul would commend her. That's not why Paul would even trust her with this letter to the church at Rome. First, we know he says a few things about her that he wants to commend to the church at Rome. Here's why you, church at Rome, ought to welcome Phoebe, take care of Phoebe. First off, she is our sister. She's our sister. She's not just a woman who is well off. She's not just a traveler. She's not a courier. She is our sister. Someone who is beloved in the Lord. What's interesting is Phoebe's name is not a Christian name. It's not a uh, Jewish name either. So it is assumed that Phoebe grew up in a pagan household and came to faith in the Lord. She was a born-again believer. This is our sister Phoebe. That is, um, that is reason enough to welcome her. That she is our sister. It doesn't matter what she's bringing to you or what uh, she's able to do for you or with you or anything, but she is our sister. So welcome her. And, and I'm commending her. I'm telling you that she is our sister. She's our sister in the Lord. 
Second thing he says about her is she's not just a sister, which is unique and a great gift of God, but secondly, she is a servant. She is a servant of the church at Centria. And the word servant here is uh, translated uh, deaconi, which is where we get the word deacon or deaconess. In, in this context, the way Paul's using it, we're not sure if she was a deaconess in the church or not. What we know for certain is that she served in great, to great lengths to the church at Centria. She served in many ways, serving all the saints there so that they would have known her to be the servant, one of the servants of the church there. It's amazing what he is commending to these people. And you think, well, now the church at Centria is at loss of this servant. This woman who is willing to go on this journey uh, over 750 miles from where she is to deliver this letter to the church at Rome. She's a servant. She, She was one who gave of her time, of her resources, of her energy to serve the church. She was a servant of the church. So obviously there was one church at Centria. Centria is uh, a small part off of uh, Corinth where we assume Paul was when writing this letter. So it would have been easy enough for him to get this letter to Phoebe for her to be able to take it to the church. But what's interesting is um, being a woman, he would not have just said, oh yeah, you just go off and travel on your own into the Roman world. There would have been others with her, but yet... Paul specifically is mentioning her out. He's saying, this is a woman that you should welcome. I commend her to you. So he says, this is our sister. She is a servant. Verse 2 says, I commend her so that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. So interesting to note when he says you may welcome her, it's not just... Yeah, you know, welcome her in the same sense that anyone else would welcome you if you went up to the coffee shop or if you met an unbeliever. It's different here. It says, welcome her in the Lord. In the Lord. And in a special way. But first off, in the Lord. means you're going to share in communion with her, most likely. You're going to uh, share in singing with her, pray with her, allow her to pray with you. This is not just a stranger. This is a sister who is a servant. You need to welcome her in a unique way. Not just like you would welcome a stranger or a guest whom you're not sure whether they're in the Lord or not. Paul says, she is our sister. She is in the Lord. So you welcome her as your sister. Welcome her into your family. Allow her to be served by you and serve her well. Welcome her in a way in the Lord that would honor the Lord. Honor the Lord in her. Honor the Lord about her. Welcome. And what's interesting about this idea is welcome. You know, everybody's got a doormat that says welcome or sign outside that says welcome. But what is a welcome truly? What is a welcome but warmth, embrace, taking in as your own? That's what true welcome is. Welcome is not just a slogan that says, hey, welcome to our business. We're glad you're going to spend money and get out. That's not a welcome. A welcome is an invitation to participate, an invitation to be a part. You would welcome her and be hospitable to her. Obviously, traveling in the ancient world, there was not just hotels she would have stopped at. That was never the case in the early church. When Christians traveled, they would not go stay at an inn. 
they would stay at another believer's home. So he's sending this letter to the church of Rome. He says, welcome her. Make sure someone puts her up for as long as she may need. Because it even says further on, help her in whatever way she may need from you. She may need a place to stay for a night or six months or six years. You're going to give it to her. That's what the church does. In the ancient world, it was just known that when a Christian was traveling through and you were aware of them, you would welcome them in your home. You, you would set up a guest bed. You would figure out a way so that they would be most comfortable, most welcome. You would put them before yourself. So Paul's reminding the church, she's a sister. So therefore, open your doors and open your hearts to her. Open your church to her. Welcome her in the Lord. And do so in a specific way. It says, in a way worthy of the saints. Again, showing the distinct nature of a Christian welcome. A Christian welcome, Christian hospitality, Christian friendliness is not the same as the world or shouldn't be. He says that there is something unique about a saint, someone who is uh, in the Lord, someone who has been transformed by God's grace. There is a unique way in which those saints, you and I, Christian brothers and sisters, welcome people. How does a Christian welcome people? Well, we read that in chapter 14, chapter 15. We welcome as Christ has welcomed. So we welcome with open arms, with no judgment. We welcome with generosity of heart, of soul, of energy. We welcome with a goal in mind to serve that person. We want to serve them, not just put them up for the night, not just make sure they're fed, but we want them to be full. We want them to be encouraged, truly fed, not just on bread alone, but on the very word of God. That's what true Christian hospitality is about, is asking nothing in return and being generous in every single way so that the person coming might be encouraged in the Lord, felt like they have belonged forever. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're somewhere, anywhere, and you, you meet someone that you have just like automatically you feel a connection with and you feel like, man, I feel like we've known each other a long time or we are one. And then you come to find out that they're a believer. You think, wow, it's no wonder that I felt something with you. Like I just felt automatically like we, we kind of knew each other or, or we should have known each other or I just feel uh, different in your presence. It's because the Holy Spirit of God indwells you and it indwells me. The Holy Spirit of God is a, is a spirit that is transforming God's people so that we literally have an aura about us. We are a pleasing aroma to the Lord the way we carry ourselves, the way we interact with other people. Because we want to interact with other people, putting them first and, and making the Lord the center of our, not only of our conversation, absolutely, but also the center of everything we do. And so therefore, the center of our generosity the center of our sacrifice for the sake of even a stranger. Because so, to this point, they're saying, welcome Phoebe. She's a, she is a stranger to you, but welcome her in the Lord into your family like she's not. Treat her as though she is your sister as she is. So the beautiful thing about Christian hospitality with one another, with, with welcoming one another is um, when we do this for each other, it's not based on our shared interests, like, oh, well, you know, you have the same uh, taste in music as me, so you can come on over and you can listen to my music. What's, 
It's not based on the same age category, the same gender or race or ethnicity. It is based on the relationship that one has with the Lord and you have with the Lord. So then you welcome them uniquely into your home as one of your own. And so that's the way worthy of the saints. It would be unworthy of the saints if you were to just say, I'm going to welcome you over there. I'm going to put you up somewhere else. I'm going to make sure that someone else uh, is taking care of you. The way worthy of the saints is, what can I do first and foremost? What can I sacrifice for you? What can I do so that you are encouraged in the faith while you're here, whether it's one night or 100 nights? How can I make sure that every single one of these days you're here, your faith is flourishing? What can I do to make sure you are fed well, not just in your stomach, but in your soul? That's the way worthy of the saints. The saints put others first, and they put, firstly, Christ first. And because of that, we put others before ourselves. That's the way worthy of the saints. It's amazing when he says, I'm commending to you, I'm sending to this sister who's carrying this letter, very likely. She's a servant, but I want you to now serve her. You at church at Rome are to serve this servant. Incredible to think, because every church has servants. You've heard this made-up number, you know, whatever, 10% of the church serves 100% of the church. I don't know what that stat is, but it's true. (laughs) Whatever the statistic is, it's true. Very few people serve on the front lines of a church. And but there are many people who serve behind closed doors, behind the scenes where you never see them until they're gone. And then you feel the loss of their position. You feel the loss of their serving in the church. There's people who serve in the front and center and people who serve in the back. But we all ought to serve the church. And the amazing thing is, like, I I can't imagine Phoebe showing up and just saying, all right, I'm going to kick my feet up. And I just want you to, you know, feed me grapes and to just pamper me. But instead, Phoebe, as a servant of the church, has now set a precedent. She's coming as a servant. and, And so how can you serve her? It doesn't mean she won't serve when she arrives. I imagine she will. She has already served them by bringing them this most precious letter. I imagine she will continue to serve in their presence, but she's going to have a great need. So that's why it says, serve this servant in two ways. First, by welcoming her into your fellowship, by making her uh, feel welcome, but feel fed spiritually, physically. And do so by, number two, is help her in whatever she may need from you. Even though she may be well off, she may be a wealthy woman, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if she's well off, or has very little means, you need to help her in whatever way that you can. Whatever way you can see she may have need, offer suggestions on how you may be able to help her. You know what? It is a beautiful thing when the family of God, you know, offers help to other people. We've been incredible recipients of that, of many people offering help. Sometimes it's hard if the person who needs help can't identify it. Right? You think, oh, I know there's like a hundred things, but I don't know how specifically you can help me. So sometimes the best way you can help people and even offer up your help is make it specific. Can I help you by bringing a meal on Thursday? Can I help you by, you know, supplying some bed sheets for wherever you're staying? Can, can I help you by, by transporting you from here to there while you're in town? Can I help you by, you know, getting you 
a new Bible, whatever. Be specific. Because here she's going to have whatever needs. And as much as Paul is commending that, that she be helped in whatever way, it might be difficult if they don't know the ways. Sometimes the, the, um, the person who is in great need of help can't even express in words what they need. Some, some, the best way to offer help is to be specific. Not just open-ended. Be specific about ways you will concretely help. Give a date. Give a time. And say, you know, uh, not just, I'd like to help you, but here's how I'm going to help. Or here's how I, I, I'm able to help. More concrete so that it may be serving a brother or sister in the Lord. It is a, it's a beautiful thing when the church does this and people notice. People notice when the church serves each other. When they see that, you know, it doesn't matter your age difference or your ethnicity difference or whatever it is, your different demographics, and yet you are together serving one another because you love one another. They see and they know. People are, are shocked by the generosity of the church of God towards itself. And, and that's a good place to be. And, and Paul says that we ought to take care of our brothers. First and foremost doesn't mean we won't take care of anyone else. But if you're in the Lord, you, you should be able to come into the family of God knowing you'll be taken care of. You will be taken care of. There are some churches and church communities who the people don't take out insurance on their homes because they know the church will take care of them because they've seen it again and again. It's not like, oh, I'm just relying. I'm just waiting. You know, if the tree crashes through my church, I just, oh, my house, I hope the church comes through. No, they've just seen it. It's not an expectation that they're falsely placing on other people. It's just what they want to do for one another. There's, there's a church community that does that. They've made a fund for each other. There's church communities that have uh, adoption funds where everybody pitches in so that one family can adopt because adoption sometimes is expensive if you're adopting internationally. Churches that all pitch in generosity so that others can adopt or uh, whatever it may be. I've heard of a story. Uh, I met the man who, who allowed this family, uh, a family from his church. His wife um, got a rare condition and she needed to be very close to the hospital. So this man and his wife and his uh, two children uh, allowed her to stay in a room in her home, in their home. But her, her disease or whatever it was progressed so much that she, there w couldn't be sense in the home. So they had to go to their neighbor's house to cook food so that this woman could stay in, in their house. Eventually, they sealed off the entire upper, upper level of their home for this woman so that she could stay in their home. They cooked in their neighbor's house. They could not wear scents in their own house. Sometimes if they would even bring a product into their home, she could smell it upstairs and having a reaction, they would remove it from their own home. Amazing what they were willing to do for the sake of a sister who they welcomed so that she could be nearer to her care. It was just incredible because the TV stations picked this stuff. I was like, why would you do such a thing? Like, why not just put her up in a hotel? You know, why would you bring her into your own home and inconvenience your own family so much? And they just said, simply because we love her. Sure, we might not have known her before she showed up, but we love her. And we want her to feel well served. We want her to be taken care of. And it's just beautiful, the generosity of the people of God when they welcome the church of God. And of course, we know that that spills over. When we are overflowing with generosity and we've been uh, gifted much generosity, we can then flow into other people's lives. Generosity is not something that is just a one direction. It is cyclical. It just keeps on flowing. 
Generosity produces generosity. And so here, Paul says, this is the way in which is worthy of the saints, that you welcome one in and you give them whatever they may need. That is an open-ended statement. Whatever Phoebe may have needed. That, that could be endless. It could be she needs a place to stay for five years. It could be that she needs every meal provided for her because she didn't bring any money. What does it mean? It doesn't matter. The church at Rome is not to ask, well, okay, but, you know, you're asking too much of us. So they said, of course. This is the way worthy of the saints is to say, of course, whatever need my brother or sister has will be met. Whatever she may need, we'll take care of her. Amazing how Paul gives the reason for this. He says, because she has done so herself. She has done this too. It, it ends by saying that for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So Paul has felt the generosity of Phoebe. Maybe he ended up staying in, in a home she owned or she just took care of him, bought him food or materials he needed. We're not sure. But what we know is that she served Paul materially and she served Paul in a way that was worthy of the saints of God. And so he says, she has done it. Now she comes to you and you get to serve this servant. You get to honor her being a patron of many. You get to now do it for her. Do it for her um, to feel encouraged, but do it for the honor of the Lord. It's incredible as we see uh, this chapter, how it begins. I'm shocked that this comes at the end of the book, by the way, the end of the letter. Like they would have had to get to the end of the letter from this, you know, she just delivers this thing and they're going through Romans 1 through 15 and then finally get to, oh, okay, all right, so Phoebe, she's okay. No, they, they would have known her coming, but it's just Paul's final greeting to be like, make sure you take care of her. Make sure that you are living uh, up to the Christian standard of generosity, hospitality, so that it may be in a way worthy of the saints. You get to serve a servant. It's not you, you must or you're obligated, but you get to serve a servant of the Lord. And if each of us then is servants of the Lord in, in individual ways as we ought to be, then we ought to be serving one another in the same way, whatever we may need, whatever we may need. An early phone call to help someone get up and read their Bible, whatever they may need. They may need an extra help around the house, whatever they may need. Extra food on the table, extra encouragement, extra letters, whatever they may need. And so we've talked about this earlier in Romans when we think about serving one another. Do you know the needs of those sitting around you right now? Do you know their needs? And you'll never know their needs if you don't talk to them about their needs or sometimes your needs. You know, what do you need spiritually? What do you need prayer for? What do you need materially? What, what is stressing you out? Like we are not a people who are just saying, well, yeah, life's stress-free. I got no worries in this world. Of course we do. We live in a broken world and we are broken people. We have, we have stresses that come day in and day out. And we ought to share those with others so that they can sometimes help us and serve us by praying with us and for us. But we have to open up. We have to share with one another rather than be so shallow. As Paul recognizes here, welcome Phoebe in the Lord. Like she's your sister in the Lord. That means she has been a recipient of God's grace as you have been a recipient of God's grace. Those who are sitting around you who, who say that they are brothers and sisters in Christ have been recipients 
of God's grace and therefore should be ones who extend it. So just come broken to one another, confessing our great needs and serving one another as long as we can and by whatever needs we can. As Paul mentioned in chapter 15, right? He, he mentioned the church at Macedonia, Macedonia who gave beyond their means, right? It's because they knew there was a need. Well, let us make sure the needs are known, the needs are met, that we may serve one another in a way that is worthy of the Lord so that when people ask and people wonder why we are a, a generous people with each other, because we love our family, we take care of our family, and beyond that, our family welcomes in strangers and aliens and, and people who, who are unwelcomed anywhere else. That's the church of God. We want them to know that that is the heart of Christ, that we care for people because Christ cared for people that he welcomed those who were unlovely and broken and sinful. And he called them to repent, to turn from their way, to turn from their life of dissatisfaction and to be finally and ultimately satisfied and forgiven in him. He welcomes. And so we welcome. And we serve one another without um, a limit. Like here it says, in whatever way she may need your help, Give her a blank check. So then as a church, we ought to be those who will give a blank check to brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need, whether it's local or whether it's global. We give a blank check with our lives, with our hearts, with our pocketbooks. Give them a blank check and say, what do you need? We want to serve you. You are brothers and sisters. We don't ever want to see you in need. We want the world to know that God takes care of his people and he does that through other people. Now, as we do this, as we take care of one another in a way worthy of the Lord, as we welcome saints into our hearts and into our homes, into our lives, may we do so worthy of the Lord for his honor and for his glory. I love this chapter because as Phoebe, yes, was not yet in the church at Rome, all the rest we will see. And, and Paul knew some of them personally, but then he knew about others and some he may have just heard about. Paul is personal. The church at Rome mattered to him. The church, if he was living today, the church at West Lorne would matter to him. The church matters. Does the church matter to you as we ought to think outside of ourselves? Think about how we can love and serve each other and the world around us. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you have welcomed us even though we were undeserving. We just pray that we would welcome each other and serve one another in a way worthy of your saints, of your children, of those who represent you, as we know how generous you have been to us, how, how free uh, you have welcomed us, that we would do so in the same way uh, to others. God, we recognize that even right now there are people among us who are in great need, people in need of prayer, people whose families are broken, people who are exhausted in many ways because of maybe a task they have on their plate. God, we just pray that we would share each other's burdens, that we would uh, be hospitable and generous to one another in a way that is uh, suitable for your people, for your representatives, that each one of us would not feel crushed down or destroyed, but instead we would be encouraged in the Lord because the people of God respond as you would respond, O oh God. So help us then to serve one another and to be servants uh, in the church of God as well. We thank you for our servant uh, Phoebe who brought this letter 
uh, to Rome, that we are able to now read it and, and be nourished by it as well. We thank you for your love that you have for all the saints. Help us to extend that love to each other as well. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.